In improvisational theatre, there's an adage that says make your partner look good. In leadership and business relationships, this means you can make personal interactions a win-win situation for both you and your colleagues. Welcome to Partner Up with Amy Carroll. Speaking with guests and listeners like you, Amy uses her wisdom and wit, leading you along the road to success. Now, here's your host, Amy Carroll. Welcome, everyone, to Partner Up with Amy Carroll. As a communication coach, trainer, speaker, and author, I'm delighted to be your host and excited to bring you insights and ideas to help you solve your communication conundrums. This is my 40th episode of Partner Up with Amy Carroll. If you want to find out more about me or what the show's about, feel free to listen to previous episodes on my website, carolcoaching.com, or go directly to the voiceamerica.com business channel, or listen on your preferred podcast app. Now, if you missed last week's show, my guest was my communication compadre and social media woman, T. We discussed conflict triggers and what to do when someone denies a mistake or blames others. We also talked about cultivating compassion, building resilience, and successfully managing conflict all while wearing your partner pants. Now, everyone knows a brilliant jerk. Someone who would be fired if they weren't so technically qualified and therefore indispensable. Yet they can be toxic, abrasive, and demoralizing. Now, he or she might be a brilliant heart surgeon, yet none of the nurses want to work with them. Well, today, my guest is Dr. Katrina Burroughs, a person I've known for close to 20 years now. Katrina is one of the world's leading experts on international leadership. She's a master certified coach and facilitates a mastermind for CEOs of international companies. Katrina is the author of three books, Abrasive Leaders, Global Nomadic Leaders, and her most recent one, Managing Brilliant Jerks. A few of her clients include Nestle, Novartis, United Nations organizations, and she's especially skilled at helping managers and leaders succeed in new assignments. Katrina, welcome. Thank you, Amy. What a pleasure to be on your show. Yeah, I'm delighted. And I was so happy. It was actually thanks to the show that you and I reconnected. That's right. So well done for reaching out because, um, you know, you've always been a, a very special person in my heart because I connect you with starting my career. In fact, I um, remember after getting to know each other for a couple of years, we were in the mountains, we had gone for a walk and you turned to me and you said, Amy, we should present together someday. And I remember like being shocked. And I think I even sort of playfully punched you in the shoulder, like you got to be crazy. And to think back, that was maybe 18, 19 years ago and where we both are today, it's kind of cool. Yes. I remember meeting you at a party and oh, yeah. you were talking to me and I, I whispered to my neighbor, you know, she's really dynamic. My, <laughs> she'll go a long way. And yes, you have. Well, and you, all right, let's do, we will keep the love fest going a little bit longer. <laughs> uh, the very first look I had at you, you opened the door to your home and you were wearing an apple green suit, my favorite color in the whole world. And yeah, it was pretty much then that I knew that we were likely to be destined to be connected. <laughs> <laughs> well, and today, look at you. You have a, a, a light green 
jacket and your book. So that's right for you. Good for you. Hey, you know, Katrina, I want um, to, I want to jump in because we've got a lot to talk about today. And listeners, I'm I'm going to be talking to Katrina about her experience and her ability to transform brilliant jerks into inspiring leaders. So, Katrina, I want to start with uh, let's let's go with the definition. What is how do you define what you mean by a brilliant jerk? So that's good to define first. First of all, uh, I would say they're motivated, at least the brilliant jerks, and how do I define them as they're motivated to have exceptional results and at all costs. That's the problem. It's at all costs. But they're very skilled, like you mentioned in the introduction. They might be fabulous surgeons and attract a lot of people to the hospital, but no nurse wants to work with them because they're toxic, they're demoralizing, and uh, they, they, people lose their concentration around them. And they've yes. noticed that bad behavior does provoke that. So it's, uh, look, we can, and, and to define it a little further, yeah. we can all be toxic at times. Right. What's the difference between a brilliant jerk is that it's continual. It's uh, constant. It can be at one time they're charming, and then the next minute they're abrasive. That, yeah. So they keep you confused. But on general, it's, it's something that gets into your system and demoralizes you. I'll further, I'll further um, explain that. The other okay. thing is they, they cause distress and hardship. I'll give mm. you another example. One of my clients, Peter, uh, was really the exec part of the executive committee of a multinational. So not a beginner. Right. And yet he called me and said, look, Katrina, you know the CEO of this multinational. Yes. Uh, well, I don't know what's happening to me. I was asked to speak at the convention every year because they consider me a good speaker. Mm -hmm. But now I'm stuttering. I don't know what I'm saying. People say I'm not concentrated and I have eczema all over my legs. So that's the distress that they can cause, not right. only at juniors, but seniors. And then finally, they reduce effectiveness in the workplace because, uh, by their mood, sometimes people react according to the mood instead of what's best for the company. That's just one example. But mm -hmm. overall, the effectiveness go down. So what do you think, Amy? How would you define a jerk? Um, I, I, I really agree with the part about they, their intention is to get results and they do it at the cost of the relationships. And um, I, I describe it as like they hold too much respect for themselves, not enough for others. They might come across as sarcastic or condescending, and they'll interrupt more than what the cultural norm might be. They'll talk over other people. Uh, they, they're not afraid to raise their voice at times. And that doesn't mean they have to do all of these things in order to be, to be defined as a brilliant jerk. They can just do some of these things, and still, it's too much. Exactly. Yeah. And they can even use their body as a, a way to intimidate. True. Very true. I remember one guy I worked for, he went, the secretary was intimidated by him. I had started only a few weeks before and 
Um, he didn't dare mess with me, though. He went up to her. He raised his hand. He said, if you were my wife. And now he didn't hit her. And yet he was still threatening that as if that's what he would have done. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Excellent example. Yeah. How they can bully physically, and especially yeah. if they're pretty, cop- uh, you know, copulent, I say. Um, uh, corpulent. In yeah. Front. What would we say? Yeah. Large or robust. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. right. And so how would you distinguish between the brilliant jerk and an inspiring leader? If Because you did say at the beginning, everybody can have, you know, an edge to them occasionally. So where do you draw the line? Well, I would say that uh, someone that is a brilliant jerk, they see a problem and they interpret it as a, a threat to their status and their being. And so they lash out to people. They can dominate, like we said, physically, verbally, interrupt, as you mentioned. They can intimidate, but they, they attack, basically, in the fight, fight, or flee. That's their preferred uh, system. And attack. Mm. Attack. Well, someone that has, that is not toxic, he will say, okay, uh, this person has a problem. Good. Uh, Now, what was the cause of the problem? Was it that they didn't have the competence to do it? And so that they'll look at uh, what can they do to help this person succeed, make the job smaller, have a mentor, have training, or they say, Yeah, thanks for letting me interrupt. So what you're saying is an inspiring leader doesn't take it personally when there's a problem or some kind of failure. Is that what you're... Yes, they don't see it as an attack to their status or to their uh, results because Mm -hmm. uh, they they separate themselves from that person. You know, at two years old, you don't, you don't, you're just starting to separate from your parents. Uh, and uh, so they see, they try to get their own identity. Well, maybe I shouldn't go there because I'm not a psychologist, but let's say just to help clarify is that the results of somebody else that they gave the job to, they don't distinguish between uh, their failure. Don't speak between their failure and their own failure. Well, an inspiring leader would say, could step back emotionally and see the person as something totally different and not as a status symbol for them and would adapt, but also have leadership agility. What does that mean? That if he couldn't, because he didn't have the uh, capacity to do the job, uh, like I just said, shorten the job help mentor, or if it's a motivational issue, for example, it's a totally different problem. He would probably have a heart to heart conversation with the person because the person was able to do it, but just didn't want to do it. So Mm -hmm. he would adapt his leadership. So let me ask a little bit more about this inspiring leader. Let's imagine the inspiring leader is in the worst case scenario where they're really upset with some kind of issue or problem. Um, so, because what you're describing is someone who's got strong boundaries, they're healthy, they're, uh, they have a high level of emotional intelligence. And exactly. so I'm, I'm a guessing that an inspiring leader, even under that extreme pressure, is still able to maintain 
calm and control, even if they're upset and they might express their upset, though they don't go on the attack like you described, the brilliant jerk. Is that yeah. Accurate. Absolutely. Good point. Because they don't, they don't, uh, nec- they feel the upset. They can feel upset, but they have more self control and basically a clearer idea of what the outcome they want and the relationship mm-hmm. them with the person they're talking to and what they need to do to get the outcome. So they put the relationship uh, on a higher platform than not just the results. Yes. Uh, well, they can also think about the results, but they know they have to work through a person. They don't, they're not triggered like somebody that is triggered by, oh, they're affecting my status. They're Got affecting it. me. You see, mm-hmm. they have some kind of cognitive, uh, you know, awareness. Distance. Awareness mm. of the situation and of the other person. Mm-hmm. So, Katrina, I'm imagining as people are listening to this conversation, they're probably either in the process of assessing their own bosses, <laughs> their colleagues, uh, or maybe if they're really brave themselves. So, tell me, and you, I don't know if you have a checklist or anything. Um, if someone's listening right now and says, oh, well, sometimes I do get a little bit snippy and, you know, I get angry and I, I might go on the attack, though it's not very often. Is it safe to say that they might be showing some brilliant jerk tendencies that they need to pay attention to? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So I'm working with extremes sometimes that are very brilliant, that hate to not be perfect. Uh-huh. Uh, and so uh, basically, that's, I work with that. But you also, with your wonderful book, uh, The Ego Tango, you mm. also s- s- distinguish between the prey and the predator mm. and try to get into a partnership. So yeah. I'd like you to comment about that relationship that you can create when the difference between an abrasive leader and someone that partners? Well, it's cool because a lot of people have a misunderstanding. They assume being partner where, and that is that sweet spot where I'm holding high respect for myself and for the other. So the, or, you know, the person I'm coaching and they're not slipping into predator, which is your uh, um, abrasive jerk. And they're not going to prey, which is submissive. When they understand, you mean, Amy, I can have difficult conversations and still be partner. I can set limits with people and still be partner. I can fire somebody if I have to and still be partner. Yes. So there is, to me, there is no limited, uh, there's no limitation of partner. And it's exactly what you're saying. It's the inspiring leader because they're holding the relationship in high regard and knowing that when they do that, that will derive the results. So it's a long-term investment in the relationship. I I totally agree. Mm -hmm. And I would say that the brilliant jerk sometimes is not always a predator, sometimes can be a prey. For example, I've seen that uh, if they respect their boss, they can go into the submission. Correct. And it's like almost, this is my father and I'll do anything he wants. Yes, correct. And then turn around and 
be a predator to their employees or their teammates. So it's confusing sometimes for the employees because here he's so difficult with his employees, but at the same time, yeah. almost submissive. Yeah. And the problem is that a lot of these are brilliant jerks. If they're more brilliant than their boss, I mean, you know, sometimes they are. Right. Uh, they will be a predator to their boss and go up and try to skip up and go to the next mm-hmm. hierarchical level. Mm. So, uh, yeah, you're right. That flip-flopping can happen a lot. Yes. With a brilliant jerk. Yeah. Yeah. I see it a lot where there are a, sometimes people will be, well, this is, I'm going to give an example though. I'm not sure this, how, if this fits in with brilliant jerks, I'll work with clients who are prey at work and predator at home. Um, what though? What you described is they go prey with their senior management and then predator with the people below them, which is just a classic <laughs> example, you know, of power and status. Yes, and I know of a client that was a predator at the office and totally a prey with his wife. <laughs> yeah, totally. yeah, yeah. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah that flip flopping. Oh my goodness! So yes, here here's what I want to know now: is how do you persuade a brilliant jerk? to accept coaching? Oh, that's a, a very delicate. I hope I can give all the, the details uh, in just a short time. I think what there's two things. First of all, usually I'm called in by the corporation or by the boss of this brilliant jerk or by the board member that we have a CEO that's, you know, serial killer, as they say. <laughs> Uh, the, you know, the dinosaur, the triosinus or whatever. Anyway, and so uh, they call me in and, of course, complain. HR, even more so, complains. And so they bring me in uh, to work with this fellow. And uh, I always ask them, have you talked to him about it? Hmm. Always before. Because uh, I think as coaches, Uh, We are here to facilitate change and transformation, uh, have a higher insight for our clients, but then we leave. So we're we're a catalyst, but we're not supposed to take the position of the management. So I always uh, ask the management uh, to speak to the brilliant jerk and complain uh, if it is complaining about the behavior, what the expectations are, what the, uh, what they they disapprove of, what they like as well. Because mm-hmm. uh, usually if they don't like anything about him, he's not going to stay long in the company right. or she is not going to take long in the company. So uh, then I come in. So I come in and they already know why. I think that's okay. important. Yeah, that's huge. The, yeah. You do not want them to be surprised. No. And then they, uh, uh, I, mean, I think you've got to be really careful not to report back. Yeah. Because you weren't there to hear it. So mm-hmm. it's only hearsay. Mm-hmm. So I'll ask them uh, maybe why they think I'm there. Do they know? And then sometimes I'll find out that it wasn't very clear. Yes. So I'll have them. Uh, I've said, then I'll know how quick, how well they were communicated to, too. Mm-hmm. That's, uh, so I can go, always go back and say, clarify, but let's say, okay, the person has 
being told that they need to increase their behavior. I'll ask them what they think. Oh, but you know, I'm not here to hold hands. <laughs> I got transformation. And you know, really, uh, what do they expect? Uh, I have the best results here. My boss, I do better than him, etc. I said, okay, yes, you. Uh, I heard that you're very whatever they are good at. Right. And I said, with those rumors that uh, are probably not serving your career, would you be interested in finding out? So, um, and who do you respect in the company? Mm, brilliant question. Uh, so, because you want feedback to have people they respect. Absolutely. Obviously. So then I'll ask, uh, okay, would you... Uh, want me to do some research work. I, I'm a PhD. I, I do qualitative research all the time. So I go there and say, I'll do some research work to see where you're, you know, how people perceive you positively and what contribution you bring to the company and uh, what might be deterring your career. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then you decide. Uh, I mean, if you think that's not worth doing the coaching, uh, that's fine. I'm do here. you... Do you get many clients who say no, no thanks? Uh, no, because that's my job is to convince right. them to at least do the research work. Got it. And I've had these huge men and women. Yeah. You know, uh, when they get the results, yes. shake, shake. Yeah. Uh, so it wasn't my intention. That was yeah. a joke. Um, yeah. Uh, they're, they're, I wanted to do this and that, and they are perceiving it this way. So then it's, um, do you want to work on it? Uh, I had a, a brilliant woman do this, uh, receive the feedback, and she broke down and cried and said, can you ever change? She was desperate, you know, can you really change? And she did. She, at the yeah. end of the year, she was voted by the very people that criticized her as candidate leadership candidate of the year. So you can do transformation. And maybe that's wow. the key message I want to give, and I'm sure you agree, uh, Amy, is that, you know, these brilliant jerks have had experiences in the past that make them, you know, over-evaluate maybe results at the detriment of any type of relationship. Yes. So uh, I think they deserve a chance. To For get sure. And transformation. And I have met so many people in my life who I meet them like, ooh, they're showing up as a predator. And I explain the model. And then I just, out of curiosity, like, you know, kind of stay open. So do you think you go more predator, more prey under pressure? And they said, oh, my God, I'm so prey. <laughs> I'm like, okay. <laughs> and so uh, tell me if you use this tool. One of my most effective tools is video camera. Oh, really? I Oh yeah, I'll I'll sh I'll do a I'll have them doing a role play, and they're in a situation where they're upset, and of course they're being you know a jerk and aggressive and intimidating, and then they go and they watch the video, and then they come back and they say, uh, "Okay, yeah, I, I get it," <laughs> you know. So it there is often a huge gap between how they think they're coming across and how they're actually coming across. So for me, I hold that as a you know, a positive intent for that coachee. What a wonderful idea. 
Great. I don't use it. I think I might try. Yeah, you should. Yeah. Should, yeah. yeah. So, so before we go to break, did you want to say something else before about that? Or? No, sweet. After break. Yeah. Okay. Well, I do want to ask you this other question. We have a couple of minutes, so you can finish that question, or you can ask answer this next one, which is, what killer mistakes have you done when trying to convince this brilliant jerk, these brilliant jerks, to be coached? Oh, I think um, there's quite a few, and I can't say it in four minutes. I've okay. made a lot of mistakes. <laughs> so, But let me give you one if we have. Okay, good. Uh, I just mentioned it in the prior example. Uh, don't argue on facts if you weren't the, the witness of it. Right. So uh, that's because uh, you weren't. That's hearsay you're mm-hmm. doing. You're coming in as an exterior person. So this is rumors. This is what's going around. Uh, uh, this is what we hear, but always stay very neutral because mm. you're list, you're trying to assess the organization and the person. Mm-hmm. Got it. Did I do that in short enough? <laughs> that time? was that was. We, have, we even have time for even one more. What? And okay. I'm curious. Now, what are the costs? And this one, maybe we we begin and we uh, pause for the break. Though I I'd love to hear and talk more about the some of the costs of a brilliant jerk within an organization? Well, just to go back to the one I mentioned, this person of executive committee of this multinational that was completely couldn't even speak, even though he was the speaker of the year every year. Right. And uh, he couldn't concentrate on what he had to do. So it's, it was it's like a downward spiral. So uh, those, if they're not addressed, it can get even worse. And of course, his productivity, and he, since he's a top leader, his team productivity is going down. So huge amount of cost, plus high turnover, absenteeism, right. presenteeism. Burnout, yeah. Burnout, exactly. Health issues, presenteeism, which is you're there, but you're not really there mentally. Oh, right. So let's pause that because I want to come back to that point in a minute. Um, listeners, you, if you want to connect with Katrina, you can find her on her website, excellentexecutivecoaching.com. That's all one word. And if you're ready to take your superhero partner powers into the next decade, you can join me for my online leadership presence course. You'll find details on my website, carolcoaching.com. When we come back, we'll hear more from Katrina and the cost of brilliant or, or yeah, brilliant jerks. Stay tuned. You're listening to Partner Up with Amy Carroll on the Voice America Business Channel. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. Do you have colleagues, family members or neighbors that just drive you crazy sometimes? Do you occasionally find yourself feeling disrespected, mistreated, or annoyed by others? As a no-nonsense communication coach, trainer, speaker, and author, Amy Carroll may have a solution for you. For over 35 years, Amy has studied status and power dynamics, what sabotages relationships, results, and how to get desired outcomes in business and personal interactions. Make your partner look good is a philosophy from improvisational theatre as well as Amy's favorite mantra. For the last 20 years, she has been using her superhero powers to inspire individuals and multinationals around the globe to transform their communication and tap into their own partner powers. With concrete behavior changes in voice, body language, words, and attitude, Amy shows clients what to keep and what to change to get more of what you want more often with less hassle. 
visit carolcoaching.com today. That's C-A-R-R-O-L-L coaching.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are listening to Partner Up with Amy Carroll. We want participation from you. Feel free to send an email to amy at carolcoaching.com. Now, back to Partner Up with Amy Carroll. Here again is Amy. Welcome back to Partner Up with Amy Carroll. My guest today is Dr. Katrina Burroughs. We've been discussing brilliant jerks and the cost to organizations when these folks are in charge. So Katrina, before the break, we were talking about presenteeism. Let's talk more about that. So let's define it. Uh, I can tell I've done my PhD and I need to define <laughs> it. <laughs> uh, so first of all, it's being present at the workplace, but mentally distracted. Okay. So you're you're probably more worried about what just happened and the, the, the abrasiveness of your leader rather than focusing on your work. So that's, I would, that's a quick uh, definition of presenteeism. So have you noticed that in your practice, Amy? Holy smokes. Well, I, I've noticed it in my own life when before I had transformed from predator to partner more consistently, And before I started my own business, and I was working for a lot of brilliant jerks and some not so brilliant. (laughs) Sometimes they were just jerks. (laughs) And I was a predator. So we would go, you know, like the head to head. And I couldn't believe the amount of time I spent obsessing about um, my, you know, I felt indignant and self-righteous and angry and frustrated. And even at some moments, think considering revenge. So not only was I not doing my work and present to my work, I was actively fantasizing about, you know, making this guy miserable. I don't think I, I I may have done a little bit of passive aggressive behaviors. I didn't do anything illegal or unethical that I can remember. (laughs) Well, you you know, that's a very important point that you pointed out is that they can get passive aggressive, uh, the people that are victim of, you know, the predator. And so, I mean, it's even can go to some degree where someone wants to come back uh, and, you know, shoot the person. I mean, it can go to that degree. Right, right. Right. So, so presenteeism, passive aggressiveness of the person's uh, feeling it. But there's also, so those are probably corporate costs, you know, the higher turnover, health issues. Right. And there's, yeah. uh, to, to name a few, but there's also on the team. See, if what a lot of abrasive leaders, what they do, they isolate someone and they attack him. And it intimidates so much the other team members that they don't vocalize 
the issues, the problems. So what happens is that the issues don't surface for the leader to take care of it. So there's one urgency after the other. So it only becomes when it's urgent that the leader finds out about the situation. Yeah. Yeah. I I say that a lot to leaders. I say the higher you go in the organization, the more important that you hear from other people, that they're your eyes and your ears. And if you're someone who's intimidating or impatient or frustrated, people will avoid telling you stuff they think you need to know if it's going to upset you. So I'll give you another example that I, one of my clients, she's a woman, brilliant. Oh my God. So sharp, but interpersonally blind. Mm. And after the research work that I did, uh, there was uh, people that said she is a bad communicator. Okay. So what do you mean by a bad communicator? Well, you know, when I'm supposed to talk with her, she walks three steps ahead. And every time I ask a question, she rolls her eyes and sighs. (sighs) (laughs) And so, you know, the person didn't dare even ask questions. And she was brilliant. And she was impatient with these people that asked her questions, uh, you know, that were for her something very insignificant. And she processed information so quickly, that quickly. So we all can be impatient, but to walk three steps ahead and sigh and roll your eyes and she was totally unaware of it. That's the kind of detail you have to bring back to some degree to these leaders so that they know exactly what they need to do. Yes. Yeah. And I, what you said, that she had no idea. Exactly. And the minute it's brought up, oh, well, they can see, well, that is unacceptable. I'll stop doing that. And sometimes they're able to change that behavior immediately. Yes, because they're brilliant too, you know, (laughs) at least the ones I work with. Right. So how can we improve our skills for dealing with brilliant jerks? Well, as I mentioned, there was um, my mistakes that I did and Mm. I learned the hard way. So we could go back to that, that one, uh, don't argue on the facts. For example, one uh, brilliant jerk that I was working with uh, worked on construction and uh, one of the person left the construction site in a little bit of a disarray, you know, wasn't perfect. And so he took the fellow's phone and threw it and it broke into a thousand pieces. So, of course, HR was horrified and I found out this. So I said, uh, uh, you know, HR went to this fellow and said, look, uh, what happened? You broke his phone. Oh, no, I didn't. No, 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 I didn't. It didn't break. You see? So what do you do? (laughs) So uh, it's always like keeping a step back. So this is what I heard. I want to hear your point of view. Mm. Uh, Whatever. This is the consequences of what they, how they live the situation. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. And uh, so that's uh, one of the things. So, Uh, No fact battling. The other thing, as I also mentioned previously, is don't take the position of the boss. If the boss needs to make a message and give a message to the brilliant jerk, they have to do it, not the coach. I'll give you a very bad mistake I did. Okay. Yep. I've made that mistake. (laughs) (laughs) So um, this fellow was a brilliant, brilliant lawyer. 
And I talked to his boss, and he was interpersonally difficult. And uh, he said, look, if he doesn't change in the, I'll give you six months. But if he, I don't see behavior change, I'm going to fire him. Oh, I said, oh, my God, my poor client. And, of course, I'm a, we're in the helping profession, right? We right. want to protect our clients. And, right. And I talked, and he seemed to be oblivious of it. And uh, so, finally, I said, you know, there probably is a chance that you're going to be fired if you don't change your behavior. Okay? I was honest. Oh, right. mistake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that company purchased another company, and he, as he was a brilliant lawyer, well, they promoted him. Oh my so where gosh. was my credibility? Right. So if he feels, and you know, that he'll only give him six months or let him go, let the management give that information, facilitate it. it, but don't say it. Yep. So that's, that's another one. Also, the 360-degree report. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think that works with... Uh, brilliant jerks. I don't think it's detailed enough. And, uh-huh. you know, Amy, you know, I mean, the 360 degree, we we work in multilingual environments, and especially right. with international organizations. So there's different languages. And of course, you'll say what the 360 does give you comments. So you can, he can write the comments or she can write the comments. Well, Yes, but that's dangerous because since it's maybe not their mother tongue English, even though they're writing in English, they can figure out who said what by the way the phrase was done. So right. 360 doesn't always protect the people's anonymity, yeah. and it's it could be quite distasteful for the people yeah. that are giving the feedback. Yeah. Plus, if they say they're they're zero on communication out of five, five being the best and zero. Nothing. Well, what does that mean? What can they yeah. do? Okay, so they're bad communicators. And I've had a client that received 360-degree feedback for five years that he was not good with his employees. Well, he never changed. So I really think it's uh, you need to go more in depth, like the example I just gave is that right. they walk three steps and roll their eyes. You need that kind of yes. uh, uh, detail. detail so that they can really know not only the situation, but know how to change, and then also help them change over a longer period of time so that they can integrate new behavior. So what do you think of that, Amy? Uh, I'm totally with you on that. And that's why the video camera helps my life so much, because it's right there in three-dimensional color, and they it's hard, much harder to deny it. And then, and my style of coaching is so obnoxious. I drill the behavior, you know, relax the eyebrows, relax the eyebrows, relax. because when my eyebrows go up, I'm going to look either judgmental or angry. And so I literally, Katrina, I don't know if you ever knew this. I will tell people when it's virtual or when it's face-to-face, I get some scotch tape. I say, okay, take a piece of scotch tape and put it on your forehead when your forehead is nice and relaxed. And then call somebody who makes you crazy. And then they can start to feel the eyebrows are dancing because they beforehand, they say, what are you talking about? My eyebrows are fine. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Excellent idea. Yeah. So how do you convince them to be videotaped with a client or with a, an employee? Uh, I, I'm videotaping them doing role plays with them. I'll play the employee and I have them say, 
okay, you know, if you have to fire me or you have to give me bad news or you're upset about something and they go right into the role play and they just rip into me. <laughs> and That's- then after about a minute or two, I'm I, then I'm starting to roll my eyes. I'm like, and there have been times I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. You seriously talk to people that way. So, you know, sometimes I'll, I'll slip out of coaching mode and, and be like, Oh my gosh, that's insane. (laughs) We have a good laugh about it. And then they, you know, sheepishly say, okay, maybe there's an issue I need to look at. Yeah. So they relax and make it playful. That's very, very. And I think that's an important part because it's easy to go to shame or guilt or embarrassment. And I really encourage people to uh, resist the temptation to have those feelings and, and really just stay present, see if we can just identify it as a behavior, not judge it too much. I bring in the playful judgment as a way to laugh it off. Yes. So, uh, Katrina, I'm really curious to know, I know you have this seven-step process for transforming these brilliant jerks into inspiring leaders. Would you share some of that process with us? I'm very interested. So uh, there is... Um, Self-awareness, I'll make that easy. I can't go through it all because it'll take too much time, but I'll I'll just go self-awareness, boss awareness, uh, team awareness, stakeholder awareness, execution of the feedback, and then inspiration. Last but not least is uh, looking at the organization and seeing what behavior they're encouraging or just not encouraging. For example, if I transform, uh, I transform, that is through the coaching process and helping uh, the brilliant journey transform into inspiring leader, uh, but then I bring them back to the organization and the organization values sort of that toxic behavior. Well, it's like bringing a recovering alcoholic back to the bar with his drinking buddies. Right. Right. So not going to last long. No. So basically, uh, there's also con- I do consulting work to see if the company uh, how they encourage good leadership behavior. What do they have into place to encourage that? How do they evaluate it? What is uh, rewarded in the company? What helps? You know what makes that people are fired. Uh, so all that is research to really get into the corporate culture. So that's also part of one of the steps, uh, and uh, to see uh, to to see the corporate culture. So yeah, I would say that's uh, that. Those are all those steps. Now, self awareness. We all know that Daniel Goldman says if you don't have self awareness, you can't have social awareness. You only right. have four percent, I think. So that I think most coaching do that, uh, but I don't think go into some more detail. Let's imagine I am the brilliant jerk, and you're wanting to help me become more self-aware or team-aware. You know what? What is? How do you explore that with people? The self-awareness. Well, I I do um, an inventory, which uh, is how they think, how they make decisions. What have what's their preference? Uh, what might they be overlooking? Uh, and so, where's their brilliance? And that I, I I follow up with research work. 
So, um, okay. So there's a lot of behind the scenes assessments and analysis to really determine where they're standing in these different areas. Yes. How they learn also, what's their learning style, what's their thinking style. And uh, that I also verify later by saying how they make decisions, you know. Is there a correlation between uh, either with the learning style or the thinking style that might tend to lead more people to become a brilliant jerk? Not to become. I would say sometimes an incredibly good skill that they have. First, they're very bright and they're very analytical and they they really validate every decision they do by facts but have low interpersonal skills. Well, they'll come down on someone that is not as quick thinking or as yep. thorough and just destroy their confidence. Yeah. So you could find sometimes uh, profiles that that are weak in the interpersonal, at least in the preference and in the values, and very good analytically and, and be quite abrasive. But I also want to come back, Amy. You know, one of my clients, uh, they, they had uh, immigrant parents and that we wanted to be socially very validated in this new environment. And they put huge amount of pressure on their two kids to perform. Okay. So the eldest son was the, the highlight of this, this, these parents. And the daughter was sort of left aside. Uh, everything was based on, on the, the eldest son. He was the rising star. And the daughter was doing average at school, and the son was trying to excel. But then at one point, he couldn't stand the pressure, and he left to do something totally different in an environment, a farming environment. Uh So he wouldn't ever feel the, the pressure. But guess what happened to the daughter? She excelled. She took some of that light that her brother had and started excelling in school, absolutely. And then again, everything, she was only as good as her last success because love was pretty conditional in that sense. So I I like also to have some empathy with some of these leaders that are very smart. Uh, They are very impatient. They want absolutely... 100% results and always insecure, which makes them want to have the status symbol that, hey, they're doing well. Right. So this uh, gives me empathy for a lot of these people, even though, my goodness, can they destroy people? Yeah. And I think that's a beautiful thing to offer them empathy, whether they're aware that you're doing it or not, because... I think that's, though that is something, a topic I explore with people. I bring in nonviolent communication and that's talking about feelings and needs. It's kind of a fancy term for <laughs> being able to say what you need to say in a way that's kind. And so I show them how to g- give themselves emergency self-empathy. I was just doing this with a client earlier today and the client was astonished oh my gosh, 
what am I needing? I, I don't know. She was, she was so excited by the question. She's like, well, let me think about that. And when we're identifying what we're feeling and needing, often it will calm us down. And that's, it's a way to give ourselves emergency self-empathy. And then I use the model to help them phrase what they need to say in a way that is going to be more considerate, more caring, more kind towards other people. So I'll give them very concrete tools to use. And it, it will feel sometimes like they're speaking a different language or wearing a suit that doesn't fit, you know, because they're learning a new skill. So what you're doing is wonderful because you're developing their self-awareness of what their needs are, having empathy, being kind with themselves and not have this huge pressure on them to perform, to perform. And then you're giving them tools of how to develop their interpersonal skills. So, and giving them a chance to transform, to have better relationships, whether it be at work or in their family and everything. Yeah. And something you said a second ago, I wanted to comment on about uh, showing them how to have empathy. Oh, because like you've been saying, they're usually perfectionists. And as hard as they are on other people, sometimes they're as hard or harder on themselves. Absolutely. And sometimes it might be impossible for them to be kinder to other people un- before they can learn to be kinder to themselves. Yeah. Very cool. So, so that self-awareness uh, that they're hard on themselves and that they're triggered when they're insecure that they won't succeed is very important as a step to be more interpersonally savvy and, and uh, forgiving mm-hmm. and forgiving. Uh, they have to forgive themselves too to help forgive others. Yeah. Yes. Right. Right. Listen, before we start to move into the wrap up, Katrina, I want to give you a, a minute or two to share anything else you want to share, or if you want to go into more detail about what organizations can do to put into place to encourage the good leadership behavior. It's a free for all. You, you share whatever is on your mind. Oh, that's sweet of you, Amy. Well, first of all, if people want to learn more about what they can do in the organization that a lot of it we couldn't, we didn't have time to cover on my website, excellentexecutivecoaching.com, there's an article, uh, the seven things that mistakes that CEOs do uh, to the seven mistakes that CEOs yeah, do. I think that's exactly the title on my on my website, and okay. it'll give you all the different things you can do and implement in an organization to encourage good behavior. There's also an exercise how to develop your EQ, and there's tips on how to encourage and discourage abrasive behavior and encourage good behavior. So these are complimentary articles on my website. And if you love uh, coaching like Amy and I, (laughs) uh, I I do this, I sponsor it uh, just freely, no advertisement uh, on my podcast called Excellent Executive Coaching Podcast. And it's really to to develop that type of uh, leadership to help interpersonal relationships and yet have results. So then also to develop your your coaching career. So excellent executive coaching podcast. Wonderful. Thank you for that, Katrina. So as we start to wrap up, what is one call for action that you have for listeners? If they want to have a good time, a good story, but very helpful, they can read my book. Oh, yes. Yeah. There we go. Managing Managing Brilliant Jerks. jerks. (laughs) Yes. It's uh, easy reading, but 
it's all taken from specific cases. So, oh, great. That makes it very juicy. So real yeah. life cases. <laughs> yeah. All right. And that, uh, what not to do and what to do and all that. So wonderful. And you can uh, have it on Amazon. Okay, good. So for me, um, I would just, I guess my call for action is just to reiterate, really check out Katrina's website, executive. No, let me start again. Excellent executive coaching. That's all one word.com. And uh, it was fun because I got to be on your podcast a couple of years ago. Yeah, that's right. It was more than a couple of years ago, about six, seven years ago, I guess it was. Uh, I started in 2013, so it must have been 2013 or 14. Wow. All right. Long time ago. And listeners, my second call for action is to send me your communication conundrums, clashes, challenges, mishaps, blunders, and successes. You can send those via email or social media. I'll read them and discuss them on future shows and make suggestions. And my email address is amy at carolcoaching.com. That's two R's and two L's. And also, oh, no, something else. If you listeners, if you want to also check out, connect with Katrina, you can also do so on her LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. Katrina's the first name. Family name is B-U-R-R-U-S, Katrina Burroughs. Now, be sure to switch on, tune in, listen up, and be inspired next week when I'm going to be speaking with Dr. Marianne Schmidt-Mass, who is a professor of organizational behavior, and she's one of the 50 most influential living psychologists. Isn't that cool? Yeah, that is. And she does research, or research, let me say this differently, research indicates the most important factor of satisfaction at work and this is no surprise based on what Katrina and I have been talking about, is the quality of the relationship with the superior. So join me next week in this rich dis- this conversation with Marianne. We're going to be discussing how to protect against overusing one's power in order to become a leader worthy of following. And if you're game for more, I'm going to be hopping over to Facebook Live five minutes past the hour for a short chat from today's call. Feel free to connect with me on my social media channels, Amy Carroll Coaching. Thank you, Katrina. It's been a wonderful conversation. Thank you, Amy. It's always a pleasure to talk with you, all the more so since we're peers and we love the same, we have the same passion. (laughs) So true. And thank you, listeners. You've been listening to Partner Up with Amy Carroll on the Voice America Business Channel. Happy partnering, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to Partner Up with Amy Carroll. Join Amy for another edition next Friday at 7 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Central European Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until we speak again, make it a great week. And remember, make your partner look good.